Lord, we are just so grateful to be in your house this morning. I just ask that you would come and meet us in this place, and we know that you will, because your word promised that when we gather, you're with us. So I just ask, God, that you would help us to feel your presence, that we would um, be able to set aside our worries and our stresses and everything in this life, that we would be able to just fix our eyes on you for this moment to lift you up, God, and to just worship you, that as we sing these words in faith, that they would become true for us in our hearts, because... Sometimes when things are bad, it's hard to believe these words, but we just trust God that by faith we declare the truth that your word has taught us, and we just ask that you would help us, Lord, in our unbelief, that you would give us just a moment of reprieve from everything out there, God, and your presence is a place where we receive life. So I ask that you would do that for us this morning as we come and we lift you up. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to sing this. We're going to believe it.
I'm going to read this uh, psalm to you guys this morning, just as a call to worship. Let's just think about these words as I read them out. It's from Psalm 111, verses 1 through 4. It says, Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. That's where we are. This is the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered, and the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Amen. Your love for love. 
like to encourage us to spend the next few moments in prayer and you can do that seated this morning you can come to the altar if you'd like you can sit at your seat stand at your seat kneel at your seat Um, and I just want to encourage you this morning I said it last week and 
it probably is worth reminding us to do again to just look around and notice that there are a lot of people who aren't with us this morning and some are simply staying home out of caution and we encourage that. That's great. We're glad that people are doing that if they feel if they feel like they need to. But I also want to remind you that there's a lot of people in our congregation who are sick. Um, I want to remind you to pray for Brett Frankhauser and Nancy Frankhauser this morning who are both in the hospital with COVID and they just really need our prayers. And so I know there are many more that are sick. Everett's been sick. He hasn't have COVID uh, that I know of, but he's been awfully sick. And um, his family has been just really going through it with him. And I know there's so many more. So what I want us to do is just let us be earnestly and faithfully praying for our brothers and sisters this morning. Could you do that? Would you lift them up with me this morning? Those who are hurting, those who are struggling. I know there's some in our midst who are hurting and struggling. I don't want to overlook you and oversee you. But this morning, let's just spend some moments praying, meditating, listening, and reminding ourselves of the faithfulness of God that will see us through the dark and stormy days. Let's pray together this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. God, we pause in this moment and we wait for you. We listen to you. We share the the burdens of our heart with you this morning. God, would you just draw in closely? Would you just move in closely? And first and foremost, God, help us to sense your very real presence that is um, among us, that is in this place. And God, would you just give us peace this morning as we enter into your presence. God, as we enter into an intentional moment of prayer, God, would you just grant us with your peace. Those who are at home this morning, God, watching from their living rooms, maybe watching from their beds because they're so sick and unable to get up, God, would you meet them there with your presence. Holy Spirit, would you fill those rooms with you, with your love and your goodness. God, we thank you for the reminder of your faithfulness and your love and your goodness. This morning we sing songs that remind us of of who you are, God, and that is that you are good and you are faithful and you are true and you are with us on the good days and on the hard, dark and stormy days. God, I know that you see where we are right now. God, you see that it's, it's a struggle for a lot of people, that these are, are times where it just feels overwhelming. Sickness seems to be abounding, affecting everyone we know. God, we are tired. We are tired of this pandemic. We are experiencing real and true pandemic fatigue. 
And God, many of us are sick. Our bodies feel weak. And this morning we remember those and we think of those and we lift up those who are struggling and who are sick this morning, God, and we just pray, we cry out, would you draw near to those? Would you give them a healing touch this morning in the powerful name of Jesus who is able? God, would you give them strength to face an, another day? Would you give them peace to get through the night? Would you give them your presence so they're not alone? Would you give them your comfort so that they know you are near? And God, would you help them to know this morning that they are seen, they are loved, they are lifted up, they are not forgotten God, would you just draw near? Encourage us this morning. Lift up our, our weary hearts this morning. God, we invite you to help us carry this incredibly heavy burden. God, we pray for those who are in this place, those that are watching from home this morning, who, who feel for those that are sick and are experiencing effects of this virus, God, but there's a whole other mountain that they are facing. God, we don't forget those who face the everyday struggles of life. We don't forget those who are experiencing mental or emotional issues. God, we don't forget those who are experiencing relational issues and maybe stress Maybe it's financial stress. Maybe it's stress from work. God, we, we remember this morning our teachers, our administrators, our, our school staff members. God, we, we acknowledge this morning that they are tired. They are weak and they are weary. God, they're making really hard choices would you be with them and give them wisdom and guidance? God, we remember and lift up our healthcare workers this morning. They are tired. They are beaten down. They are overwhelmed. They are stretched thin. And I know they have to want to be done. We know that they must be so done with all of this. God, would you just give them strength to make it through each day? That's all we can ask for, God. It doesn't feel like much, but God, we know that you can and that you will, that you are able, you are faithful and you draw near to the brokenhearted, those who are carrying heavy burdens, you draw near to them and you make yourself known to them. And God, we just pray that you would do that again and again and again. God, thank you for hearing the honest and sometimes ugly cries of our hearts. Thank you, God, that you always listen that you are never far away from us. 
And God, we pray now that as we open up your word and as we seek the truth of your word, God, we pray that you would guide us and direct us. Would you teach us, Lord? Take these words, God, and make them your own and speak to each of us what it is we need to hear this morning. And Lord, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, this morning, um, we are going to be continuing this new sermon series called Organic Disciples. Uh, This week, I have prepared for you a PowerPoint with the great help of Jim. (laughs) I didn't do that alone. Jim was a great help. Uh, He really helped me do that. And so hopefully that will be helpful to you. That would have been really helpful last week, I recognize, but I can't go back and change that. So it'll be helpful going forward. We are going to have that. Uh, But I do want to quickly recap what we talked about last week. I don't want to spend too much time there, but for those of you who weren't here or those of you who were and just already forgot what we talked about last week, that's okay. Uh, Last Last week, we set the foundation for this series, Organic Disciples, and we recognized that we needed to ask three very important questions before we go forward. Before we break down these seven markers of spiritual growth, we needed to ask three, and we called them epic questions because they're that important. And the first question that we asked last week is, how do I know I am growing as a disciple? We talked about how important it is to grow. As followers of Jesus, as Christians, as disciples, we ought to be growing. We shouldn't be just standing still. Our growth shouldn't be stunted. We need to be growing. It's vital. It's essential. It's necessary. And so the question that comes to mind is, well, how do I know if I'm growing? If it's so important, how can I know? And we talked about how first and foremost, begins with our hearts. It begins with our hearts, and we have to ask the question, does the Holy Spirit have space and room in my heart? Is he welcome there? Is he welcome to to change what needs to be changed, And, and is he welcome to guide my every thought, action, and deed? And if so, if the answer is yes, then we should be able to identify fruits of that, right? We should be able to identify the fruits of the Spirit uh, that is evidence of the Holy Spirit doing a new thing in our hearts. So what are those fruits? Where is the Holy Spirit moving in your life? How do you see him helping you? And so first and foremost, it's, it's inviting and welcoming a space, making space for the Holy Spirit. And then we talked about how there are seven markers of spiritual growth that we can look at and identify in our lives. We can identify whether or not they are even there. Do they even exist? And how are we nurturing them? And that's what we're going to be breaking down each week going forward, those seven markers of spiritual growth. The second epic question we asked last week is, is discipleship more than my relationship with Jesus? Do I really need something more than just my personal relationship with Jesus? And the answer is always yes. It is an unequivocal yes. We need one another. We need community. We need relationships. We need discipleship. Because in discipleship, we find support and accountability, and we desperately need both. We looked at the example in scripture of Paul and Timothy. 
and how Paul was this mature uh, disciple of Christ. And Paul took the hand of Timothy, and Timothy was younger, less mature in his, in his relationship with Christ. And so Paul takes Timothy, and he guides him, and he directs him, and he helps him. And Timothy takes the hand of Paul, but he also uh, takes accountability for his own spiritual growth. Timothy recognizes, I got to do my part too. I'm accountable also, but he's doing that being guided by Paul. And then Timothy takes the hand of other Christians, those who are less mature, and he pulls them along, and he guides them, and he helps them. And those Christians do that for other Christians, and it goes on and on from generation to generation until Jesus comes back. That's our assignment. That's what we are called to do. Yes, discipleship is more than just our relationship with Jesus. And finally, the third epic question we asked last week is, what exactly is the relationship between discipleship and mission? How do those work together? And what we ended with is that discipleship and mission are like marriage partners. You don't have one without the other. Because when you're on mission with God, with Jesus, you are going to naturally produce more disciples. More people are going to be coming into the fold, and you're going to be helping them, and you're going to disciple them. And as you carefully disciple one another, that's always going to push us out on mission with God. And so they work closely together. And so this week starts the breaking down of each of these seven markers of spiritual growth that we can identify in our lives or acknowledge that, hey, I'm not doing that. That's not something that's an active part of my life. I should probably pay attention to that, and I should probably do that. And I just want to kind of prepare you that each week we're going to have the same setup. We're going to go through three movements each and every week with each and every one of these markers. We're always going to start with the life of Jesus because he's our model disciple, right? Jesus is the one we're following. Jesus is the one who we ought to be paying attention to. So we're always going to start with Jesus and how he models each area for us. Then we're going to move into a, a space where we look at our journey of growth in each area. We're going to ask, where are we in this particular um, area? What do I need to work on? How, how do I need to grow in this particular area? So it's always going to cause us to turn and, and look at our journey of growth. And then the third movement is going to have us focus on how growth, how this growth in this journey is always going to lead us out into the world on mission with Jesus. And this is the journey of discipleship, following Jesus and helping others, training them, equipping them, helping them to know how to follow Jesus as well. So today we're going to begin with Bible engagement. Wouldn't you agree that that's probably the most important thing after Jesus, after looking at the life of Jesus? Wouldn't you agree that, that Bible engagement is probably the next most important thing? And I want to share with you, um, and just as a kind of a warning, you're going to notice a little bit of a different rhythm uh, for the rest of this series, that there's so much scripture that we're reading. There's, it's, it's kind of backwards from how I normally or how I typically preach, but there's not like one passage that we're looking at each week. We're kind of studying a concept, and there's lots of passages that are going to inform us. So you're going to notice that we're not going to necessarily stand and acknowledge one reading each week, but we're just going to kind of acknowledge a lot of scripture um, during each sermon each week. So that's why that looks different, okay? But 
But, but we acknowledge this morning 2 Timothy 3.16. It's a great starting place for us when we're thinking about Bible engagement and what our relationship is with Scripture. And 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture, you know this one, right? All Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching Rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, which is what we are doing. We are being trained up in the way we should go, right? But all scripture, what we need to know, all scripture, the Bible is the Holy Spirit-breathed truth of God. And it's what informs us. It's what shapes us. And what's interesting to think about with Jesus, we acknowledge that Jesus was the living word of God, right? John tells us in his gospel that Jesus was the word that became flesh. It was the word of God that came to life in Christ. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, made his dwelling among us. And so we acknowledge, certainly, that Jesus was the living word of God. But not only was Jesus the embodied word of God, if you read the Gospels and pay attention, you notice that Jesus loved the written word of God, right? Do you notice that? That Jesus knew and loved the written word of God. So kind of what you and I know as the Old Testament. It wasn't acknowledged as the Old Testament for Jesus in Jesus' time, but Jesus paid attention to the law. The law and the prophets is, is what they had. That's the scripture that was written down that they had that they followed very carefully. And Jesus knew that. He, he loved it. He meditated on it. And he lived it. He quoted it. And he let the scriptures speak to and through him. So as we move into this first movement this morning, learning from Jesus, we notice in Scripture just how much Jesus relied upon the written word of God in various examples throughout his life. In other words, when Jesus was pressed, when Jesus was in a difficult place, we see what came out. When Jesus was squeezed, when he was pressed, we see what comes out. And, and spoiler alert, it was always scripture. It was always scripture. Jesus always responded with scripture. But before we get too far into that, I want to ask you this morning, when you are squeezed, when you are pressed, when you're in a hard place, what comes out? You can learn a lot about yourself when you notice how you respond to difficult situations. What comes out when you're pressed? Is it anger? Is it rage? Is it immediately fear? Is it discouragement? Hopelessness? What is it that comes out when you are squeezed or pressed? Uh, this morning, I want to think about a few uh, different areas that we notice in Jesus' life, what, how he responded when he was squeezed or pressed. And one popular moment that might come to mind is the temptation of Jesus that we read about in places like Matthew chapter 4. We'll go through this really quickly just to kind of refresh your memory. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. 
If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. So I guess one lesson that just kind of popped out at me in the moment is make sure you know scripture better than the devil, right? Because apparently he knows it. He's not afraid to use it. So make sure you know it better than he does. Just a little free tip for you. But, but in this story, each time Jesus was tempted, he knew exactly how to respond. And I'll get to this later, but notice that Jesus didn't whip out his phone. He's like, hang on, let me Google that. I know God says something about the word and the bread and, and how important that is. Let me Google that real quick, and then I'll get back to you. We'll get back to that later, but notice how Jesus knew instantly, immediately, how to respond to, to the devil, to the enemy. Jesus quoted, and I'm sure you know this if you have any basic Bible or Bible commentary, it makes little notations and tells you who's quoting from where. And so you likely know that Jesus is quoting directly from places like Deuteronomy chapter 8 and chapter 6. And each time he is reminding himself and the enemy of the truth of God that's going to inform him and, and help him to make his decisions, right? Jesus is reminding the enemy, that God's word, I know, yes, I'm hungry. It's been 40 days. Yes, I will acknowledge that I'm hungry and my flesh might feel a little bit weak right now, but I remember, Jesus paraphrasing, I remember that, that, that God's word is more important than bread alone, that that's what's going to sustain me, Satan. It's God's word that's gonna sustain me and that's more important than bread, what bread can do. And then Jesus goes on and he, he stands against the temptation to test God. How often are we tempted to test God? And the enemy is, is essentially encouraging Jesus, go ahead and test him. He's obligated to help you, right? You're the son of God. He's obligated to come and rescue you. Go ahead and test it and see if he'll actually do what he says he's going to do. And Jesus stands against this temptation to test the truth of God's promises, he, he stands against the temptation to exchange God's calling for him for the splendors of the world because it's really enticing to do that sometimes too, right? In each moment, Jesus, because of the authority of Scripture, Jesus knew the truth about God and he did not trade that truth for a lie. I want to just quickly move through some other examples. We don't have the scripture for all of them because that would take far too long. But, but I just want to point out other examples where Jesus was pressed. That's a big one where Jesus was really tempted in a moment of probably feeling just a little bit weak and weary and tired. But then we see moments where Jesus is kind of challenged by other people, right? experts in the law. Jesus is pushed and he's pressed and he's challenged by them. One that comes to mind is Matthew chapter 22, when the expert in the law says, hey Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? You know this one, right? We spent a lot of time looking at this last summer. And Jesus, again, he knows immediately where to go, what to quote. Oh, you're talking about 
we know it as Deuteronomy 6, 5, but the Shema, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. That is the most important. And he goes on. We see several instances when Jesus would use scripture to correct misunderstanding. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you could tell that they were totally misusing or misquoting scripture, but you at the same time were like, oh, I don't really know how they're doing it, but I know they're doing it, and I really wish I could correct them, but I just am not informed enough to know how to correct them. You knew that something was wrong, but you didn't know enough to to really show them, right? Well, there were several instances when Jesus would use scripture to correct misunderstanding. In Matthew 15, why don't the disciples wash their hands, Jesus? They're, They're defying scripture. They're not washing their hands. Jesus says, well, you might as well check your heart because you're being a hypocrite right now. And what's in your heart is more important than what's on your hands, Matthew 21, Jesus, why are these children so loud? They're obnoxious and loud, and why is that? Why do you allow that? Jesus says it's from their lips that they are praising God, and God listens to them. Matthew 21, they were rejecting the cornerstone, and Jesus reminds them that that he is the very cornerstone that they are rejecting. Then Matthew chapter 22, and it's in Mark 12, the disciples question Jesus about a complicated issue. It seems like like marriage after death, and there's all these scriptures on that. And what is it actually going to look like, Jesus? And Jesus reminds them that they are completely misunderstanding the point of what God is trying to say. And they are completely misunderstanding what scripture is saying. And remember, these are experts in the law. These are men who knew scripture, who were supposed to know it better than anyone, and yet time and time again, Jesus corrected their misunderstandings. There were several instances where Jesus would just casually mention scripture in the flow of a conversation. He he references King David eating holy bread. He talks about helping a sheep out of a pit on the Sabbath. He talks about this wicked generation that demands a sign. He talked about the Ten Commandments. He talked about the days of Noah. He talked about Elijah and the widow and Elisha and the leper and manna in the wilderness. And Jesus was always talking about um, events and history of Israel. And he would just casually put that in conversation. And then we notice another big one. That even with his last dying breath, In complete and utter agony, Jesus lamented with Scripture. When he was broken, he lamented with Scripture. We read in Matthew 27, verses 45 through 46. From noon until about three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, And I'll just skip trying to say that and say that it means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know that Jesus was referencing Psalm 22, right? I'm sure you've heard that or read that or found that in your studying along the way. That Jesus is quoting Psalm 22, 1 through 3, which says, just in case you're wondering, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. See, here's what you need to know about Jesus quoting this scripture. Is that those who were with him, those who would have heard about this 
message or this account of this happening. They would have, they would have, they were skilled Jewish people. They would have known what Jesus was quoting. Their minds would have been drawn to Psalm 22 where Jesus was quoting this and they would recognize that yes, while Jesus is in great anguish and agony, he is, he is in unbelievable pain. He's carrying the weight of the world and the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders, literally in this moment. Of course, he's going to cry out in pain and in anguish. But here's what the audience would have known. They would have known the rest of the psalm. They would have been reminded of the truth about God regarding Jesus by thinking about what the rest of that psalm says. They didn't just pull bits and pieces out like we do. We would just Google, you know, what's that one about my soul is in anguish? They would have known the whole thing. They probably, this is just a guess, I don't know this, but they probably would have quoted the whole thing. I'm getting nods of confirmation, yes. They would have quoted the whole thing. They wouldn't have just stopped. And so they would have quoted verse 24, which says, For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. See, Jesus, time and time again, would use scripture. He would remember scripture. He would quote scripture. And we see time and time again that scripture informed Jesus, the living word of God. And if it's that important for Jesus, who is the literal living word of God, if it was important for him to know scripture, the written word, how much more important is it for you and I? And so that moves us into Movement two, which is acknowledging our journey of growth. And I'll ask you again. You saw the example. You saw the example in Jesus. So again, I ask, what comes out when you are pressed? What comes out when you are squeezed with the difficulties of life? What is your response when you are facing temptations? What is your response when your faith is challenged and you're being questioned by others? What is your response when you see someone misusing or mistreating scripture? What is your response when you feel crushed by the weight of grief or death? Is it scripture that comes to mind? Does scripture come out of your mouth? Do you know which ones to turn to when you're pressed or challenged? And here's what I want to say to that. I want to say that many of us would love for the answer to be yes. We, for many of us, the answer is yes. Yes, I was trained. I, someone has discipled me and, and has trained me and helped me to know how important this is. But for many of us, I would say that we want the answer to be yes always, but a lot of times it's no, not quite. I want to be there, but I'm not quite there. And that could be for a number of reasons, right? And I think this is a big reason why. Because like I said earlier, it's so easy for us to just Google the scripture that we're thinking of, right? Let me just use that one word that I know is in there and I'll Google it and I'll find it really quickly. But I just have to tell you, I'm convicted because I think Googling it is not the same. In fact, I know it's not the same as having it written on our hearts. Googling it and knowing portions of it is not the same as having it there. It's formed us. It's shaped us. It's informed us. And it's not the same as just quickly Googling it, although I do that a lot. I will admit, your pastor does it, so there you go. (laughs) 
maybe, maybe the answer, we want the answer to be yes. The scripture comes to mind and out of my mouth when I'm pressed. But maybe the answer is no, and maybe that's because I just don't spend enough time meditating on scripture. I don't spend enough time soaking it up and letting it sink in and really form me and shape me. A lot of us, we like those quick five-minute devotionals that we can just consume really quickly and go about our day. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm not sure that that is all that's necessary to completely form us and shape us. In other words, let me ask you this. Do you know snippets of scripture or do you know the whole story of scripture? Do you know portions of scripture or do you know the whole story? What's happening in the whole story from beginning to end? Do you know the whole story of God? Do you know the beauty and drama of Genesis? Do you know the oppression and freedom of Exodus? Do you know the sacrifice and worship of Leviticus? Do you hear and see the heartache of the prophet Hosea? Do you hear and see the tears of Jeremiah? Do you see the vision painted of Jesus by Isaiah? Do you read and hear the conviction penned by Malachi? Do you see the theology of John? Do you see the story of a spirit-saturated church that's recorded in the book of Acts? Do you read and know the letters of the Apostle Paul? Do you see the vision that Jesus painted in Hebrews? Do you know the apocalyptic drama of Revelation? There is so much more than just knowing snippets, but it's knowing the whole story of God. This is the word, friends. This is the word that shapes us and forms us and teaches us and informs us and molds us and guides us and convicts us. We need to know this word. And it's not enough to know the snippets. You must know the whole story. Why is it that we don't know the whole story? Is it because, let me ask you this, are you a snacker or are you a feaster? Are you a scripture snacker or a scripture feaster? And this probably goes without explaining, but, but a snacker is someone who just consumes one spiritual meal a week. And, and I'll tell you, that meal's happening right now. These are the snackers who this, for them, this is the only time throughout the week where they're, they're being informed and shaped by scripture. And as great as, as I hope these sermons are, they're not always there, I have high hopes, that as great as I hope and pray that they are, and a great sermon means that God spoke and that's all there is to it, as great as I hope they are, this is not enough for us to be shaped and formed by scripture. It's just not. If this is it, if we're just snacking, if we're scripture snacking once, maybe even twice a week, we are going to be spiritually malnourished. Our growth is going to be stunted. We're not going anywhere. Disciples of Jesus, and who, by the way, we long for, for spiritual vitality, right? We should be regularly, daily, multiple times a day, if, if we can, we should be daily feasting, feeding on God's word. And when we do, we find that, that we find the strength and the power as we consume every day to keep going, to face the challenges of the day. And so if I can get really practical for a moment, 
There's a lot packed into these sermons, you guys. If I can get really practical for a moment, let me just spend a few moments helping those who say, I want to do better. I want to feast on God's word. I want to be shaped and informed by the whole story and not just snippets. Uh, For those of you who don't need this, just bear with me, okay? I want to speak to those for a moment who want to, but they're just not sure how to. Maybe you just need a few tips or ideas on how you can really soak up the whole story, the whole word of God. And I've just got a few practical tips for you, okay? Here's a few things that you could try doing, that you could try incorporating into your time, your Bible engagement. You can never go wrong with the Bible in a year plan. Have, have you guys done that? The Bible in a year? That's a great plan to help you get through the whole story of God. And you're not going through it too quickly. You're really spending time to let it sink in and let it soak in. It's a great way to be informed by the whole story of God, the Bible in a year. You can find those anywhere. They're probably in your Bibles. You can find them on the YouVersion Bible app. It's a great app for a lot of things. There's multiple plans that take you through the Bible in a year on those on those apps. Uh, The second one is the story. I haven't actually done this, but I've heard a lot of people talk about the story, which is is a book that guides you through the Bible. It guides guides you in your reading. And and I read that it kind of serves as like a literary bridge that ties together the whole story like a novel, that it's really helpful as you seek to see the whole story, the bigger picture. And I guess there's tools built into it that help you learn the whole story. So that's called The Story. You can find it anywhere on Amazon, you know, bookstores, Christian bookstores. Here's one that I do um, use often, daily. I'm doing something else daily currently, but if I'm not, then this is what I do daily, and it's the Lectio 365 app. If you're looking for something that helps you to really spend time in Scripture, soaking it up, uh, really letting it sink in, then I encourage you to try the Lectio 365 app. We have a screenshot of what it looks like, I think, so that when you go to look for it, you can see what, which app I'm talking about. And if you need to take a picture of the slides with your phone, you can do that so that you can look back on those later. But this is a great, great app that you can download, and it is really good about pulling up passages from the Old Testament, from the epistles, and from the, um, from, from the gospels. I lost the word for a minute. But it usually pulls scripture from each place. Um, and so it's really good. And they give you morning readings and nightly readings. They give you something to go through in the morning and in the evening, which if we make the time, that is incredibly helpful for us because that's where we're starting our day and we're ending our day on the truth of God's word. And, and I just couldn't recommend this app more. Then I learned that they have a Lectio 365 app for families. So, so parents and grandparents, if you're around your grandkids a lot, please write this down because we tried this this week as a family. We did this around the table as a family this week and it was so wonderful. Our kids really enjoyed it. Um, um, that you have it kind of read to you and guide you into some through scripture and into some questions to reflect on and you can share, you can pause and share. And we had some great discussions. And so families, take a note of that. It was really great for, for you and your kids. Then there's the rhythms of the Lectio Divina. I don't know if, if, if you guys are familiar with the Lectio Divina, but that's Latin for uh, the divine word. And the Lectio Divina is a, ry- a rhythm that helps you go through scripture, uh, but you're pausing for moments of silence where you can have this quiet preparation 
of the heart, and then there's the word where you read the word. You read it. They prompt. They they help you to read it slowly. They they can read it to you if you're doing an app. You can listen to the word, and you can really linger in the words. And then there's a space for meditation where you can read it a second time and really savor it, soak it up. And then there's a response time, and then a contemplation time. And, and so the lectio divina is just a good rhythm that helps you through. There's, a, there's an app that the Church of the Nazarene actually created called the Nazarene Connect app. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's a free app, and, and you go through, and at the very beginning when you sign up, you can you answer some questions that they have for you, like which areas are you wanting to grow in spiritually, and then they will actually curate verses to pop up on your phone throughout the day that speak to those specific issues. And then there's a place for discussion and response, and there's community built into the app, um, and there's a lot that you can do with that if that's something that you're interested in. There's the lectionary. You can't go wrong with the lectionary. Let me know if you need some good um, links for the lectionary where you can go through an Old Testament passage, an epistle, and a gospel reading that guides you through scripture in, in a couple of years. And then there's just always the, the beauty of going through scripture with a partner. Right, like having maybe your discipleship partner going through portions of scripture, a, a chapter or a section of a chapter, and just really talking about it out loud. What are you learning? What is God teaching to you? What do we hear God saying to us in this passage? And it's amazing what going through scripture with a person can help you, you know, see the things that you may have otherwise missed. And then I'll just take a picture of this. I won't go through it, but if you're interested in this next one, this is, I learned this from Hal Perkins, who um, is, I call him a discipleship expert. He has a great book on discipleship, Walking with Jesus, um, and he teaches churches how to um, have these discipleship groups and what they can look like. Well, I learned this technique from him, and if you just want to take a picture, this is just where you can go through scripture and categorize what you're reading, and you can discover whether or not it's a truth to believe, a promise to claim, command to obey, so on and so on. So just snap a picture of that, and that's just helpful if, if that helps take you through. And then finally, and this is not an exhaustive list. I mean, it's kind of exhausting because it's. I know there's a lot here, but there's so much more that you could do and find. But I just wanted to give you something practical. But let us not forget can, can adults make memorizing scripture popular again? Because <laughs> it was like popular when we were kids and it was encouraged when we were kids, but I just find that it's not so encouraged anymore. We don't really cheer that on anymore. And I just want to say that there is so much good that comes when we intentionally take time to memorize scripture. Write it down on note cards. Put it around your house. I found it helpful to put it as the background on my phone a lot of times so that I'll just open my phone, and I will spend a few moments kind of going over it to help it sink in. But don't underestimate the power of memorizing Scripture because knowing it is so much better than, than just Googling it, right? Friends, Scripture is the divinely inspired Word of God, and it reveals to us who God is. Do you want to know who God is? Do you want to know this God that you serve and follow Scripture reveals to us who God is. Scripture reveals to us what God's purpose is for us. Do you want to know what that purpose is? Do you want to know God's purpose for you? Because Scripture reveals that to us. Scripture reminds us what we ought to do. Don't you just want to know what to do sometimes? Don't you just wish that God would write it down and hand deliver it to you? Well, this is the next best thing. 
Scripture reminds us what we ought to do. But here's my challenge for you. My challenge for you today is to read Scripture to know the whole will and story of God and then resolve to do it. Be it. Live it. And so my challenge for you today is make a plan. If for those of you who feel like this is a weak spot for you, just make a plan right now. Decide in your mind, what is it that you're going to do? How are you going to resolve to make Bible engagement a priority for you, knowing how important it is? I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up, and as they do, I want to transition us into movement three, which is how Bible engagement leads us to the world. There's not a whole lot to explain, explain or expand upon here. The simple truth is that the world needs good news, right? I don't know if you know this or not, but the world needs good news, and we have that good news. Friends, I want to remind you that the Bible communicates to us and to the world that you are loved, that God is near that you have purpose and meaning, that God is your savior, that you are part of a family, that God wants to lead your life, that you can have joy and goodness in this life. Scripture reminds us that God is preparing a place for us forever, that God is always on the move. And as we feast on the truth of Scripture, we find the answers to life's hardest questions. Not all the answers, let me just acknowledge that. But we find answers and direction. We find wisdom to help us navigate through difficult situations that we face each and every day. If we learn to love the word of God, then we're gonna learn to love each person that God allows us to encounter. I wanna close with this quote from John R.W. Stott. He says, in the Bible, God gives us revelations of himself, which lead us to worship, promises of salvation, which stimulate our faith, and commandments expressing his will, which demand our obedience. This is the meaning of Christian discipleship. Friends, there's a lot of lost people in your sphere of influence. And the word of God, if you know it, If you're formed and shaped by it, God is going to use that to reach those in your life. Would you pray with me this morning that it would be so with us? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this reminder of just how important your word is. And God, it's not just important, but God, we are reminded that It's what ought to shape and form us. And God, it's great for us to know the snippets and the little things here and there, but God, it's so much greater to be completely shaped and formed by the whole story of God. So God, as we seek to grow in this area, God, would you just meet us in those moments where we are engaging with Scripture? Would you help it to come alive in new and fresh ways for us? God, as we seek to meet you in those moments, would you find us there? Would you guide us and teach us and encourage us? And God, we just thank you for this amazing gift that helps us to know who you are 
helps us to know who you've called us to be. And it goes before us as we go on mission with you into the world. God, just continue to speak to our hearts this morning. And we just thank you for your faithfulness and for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can stand with us if you're able, if you'd like, when we sing this.
He is our story. Amen? Amen. There is a great story going on. You and I are a part of that story. Let's just be sure that we know that whole story. Let's be informed and formed by that story. Amen? Amen. Well, just a few quick announcements for you before we leave this morning. Uh, there are still some mosaic baby bottles in the foyer. If you haven't grabbed one, I just challenge you to grab one. Even if you're worried that you may not be able to fill that whole thing up in just a few weeks left, uh, just go ahead and grab it anyways, because anything is better than nothing. So if you haven't grabbed a baby bottle, uh, go ahead and grab those as we uh, just continue to support the Mosaic Baby Pregnancy Center. Mosaic Pregnancy Center. Gosh. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lunch Bunch is is on schedule to meet at the end of the month, January 26th. We'll let you know if that changes. We're definitely kind of just, you know, seeing how things go, um, but we'll see where things are at that point and let you know. But as of now, that's still um, going on, the 26th. And then finally, the office will be closed tomorrow for Martin Luther King Day. So with that, I want to invite you to stand. And along with encouraging you to be safe, Stay healthy, stay warm. I want to encourage you to go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May you be formed and informed and shaped by the word of God as you go. You are loved. You are dismissed. Have a great day.